Amen, amen. Boy, it's been a good morning already. And I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me for us a kickoff verse into 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3. We know this is the first of the pastoral epistles that Paul wrote to his two young preacher boys, Timothy and Titus. We're going to look at this verse, two verses that I think not only describe the purpose and why he wrote the three pastoral epistles, but why he wrote every epistle. And I think that it would do the church good to get to understand that it matters how we conduct ourselves and how we conduct church. And that we don't just do it any way we wish, that if it's not biblical, if it's not done in a way that pleases God, it won't matter in the end and it won't last. And today there's a lot of church going on, but I wonder how much of it is going on conducted the way God would want it to be conducted. And if you look here with me, Paul's writing, he says in verse 14 of chapter 3, 1 Timothy, these things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. We know Paul was in prison probably when he wrote this letter, and he's wanting to come to Timothy, but he can't, but he's believing this first imprisonment. I'm sorry, he was not in prison here. He was off on first missionary trip, but he's saying these things I write to you, Though I hope to come to you shortly, and look at what he says. But if I'm delayed, if I'm not able to get to you, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. And look at what he says about the church. The church is the pillar and the ground of truth. All God's truth is to be shown, revealed, manifested, proclaimed, and preached in the church, the house of the living God. It doesn't matter how much church we do if we don't conduct ourselves the way God wants us to and we don't conduct church the way God wants us to. Today, we're not only concerned with how to conduct one another in the church, we're concerned with just getting people here to the church. And I fear we've become desperate we can just get them here. <laughs> At least it looks good and hopefully it'll be good. If you start telling people how we got to conduct ourselves and you start telling the church there's only certain ways we can conduct church, it's probably going to get worse. I want to tell you, I believe that's the problem that we do have in church because we don't always do church the way the Bible says to do it. And I want to just read something. I don't know if y'all get the Baptist news from our association every month. And I don't know if you know our director of missions, Brother Lane Moore. But man, he hit a home run. He hit the nail on the head. He wrote in his letter this month, and it stirred up in me something that has led me to where we're going to look at today. We're going to go from here back over to Ephesians chapter 4. If you want to turn there, that's where we're going to preach out of, Ephesians 4. But listen what Brother Lane says, his testimony. You know, our testimonies in Jesus is not always what we wish it was, but we still need to be honest at all times. And listen to what Brother Lane writes. This is a man who's in contact of our pastors constantly. I get to go see him from time to time if I need something from him. He's always talking to all of our pastors. And this is what he says. It's a rare week that I have a conversation with a pastor or staff member and the subject of church attendance doesn't come up. The struggle to see pre-COVID attendance numbers 
return for our churches is very real. One pastor told me, I'm concerned that those who haven't resumed attending have made a permanent decision and we will not see them again. What has heightened the frustration is church leaders see their wayward members during the week at the grocery store, restaurants, sporting events, but not at church. Admittedly, regular church attendance is not the only measure of a person's commitment to Christ, but it is a significant indicator. Christ loved the church. He gave himself for it. If we love Christ, we are going to love his bride and long to fellowship with his family. However, it is still demoralizing to church leaders when they see people who they thought were loyal to Jesus Christ and supportive of the church's ministry choose not to return. Of course, I'm not talking about people who are the most vulnerable to COVID, those with ongoing health issues, the very elderly, or those with compromised immune systems may need to continue watching online. But for some, COVID has covered a multitude of other reasons to quietly slip out and not return. Because the pastor may have said something months ago they didn't like. The music isn't what it once was. A loved staff member moved on and it's not the same anymore. The list of reasons can be endless when you're looking for one. We would do well to remember not even Jesus managed to keep every sheep in the fold. From that time, many of his disciples turned back and walked with him no more. John chapter 6, verse 66. Shepherds, do your best to reclaim the strays and strengthen the believers. But let's be realistic. We will never have 100% retention no matter how good the music or preaching is. Be blessed, Brother Lane. COVID did not cause attendance problems in America. Attendance problems have been a problem in America long before COVID. COVID just kind of made it more visible. COVID should have brought us to the church when in reality it's pretty much brought the nail in the coffin that seems to may end the church. Because when people should need the church more than ever, they seem to be more than ever willing to live without it. Now, I want to read something to you that was done in the year of 2014 by a man called George Barna, who runs a research group called George Barna Research. They do all types of Christian statistics and researches, and I want to read something to you. And he said this in 2014, I want to remind you. He says, when tens of millions of Americans tend to when ten, while tens of millions of Americans attend church each weekend, the practice has declined in recent years. According to Barner's Group 2014 tracking data, overall church attendance has dipped from 43% in 2004 to only 36% today. But beyond a dip in attendance numbers, the nature of church going is changing. Regular attenders used to be people who went to church three or more weekends each month or several times a week even. But now people who are surveyed, people who show up once every four to six weeks consider themselves regular churchgoers. The problem may be in that word. We were never intended by God to be churchgoers. 
We are intended to be church beers, church doers. We were intended not to go to church. The Bible's plan for the church is for us to be the church. And as I look at this, I, it makes me realize where we are. Listen to what it says in this part of this same article. He says, although church involvement was once a cornerstone of American life, U.S. adults today are evenly divided on the importance of attending church. While half, 49%, say it is somewhat or very important, the other 51% say it is not too important or not even important at all. The divide between the religiously active and those resistant to church going impacts American culture, it impacts American morality, it impacts American politics, and in the end, it impacts American religion, which includes church, how we do it, why we do it, why do you come. Looking to future generations does not paint an optimistic picture for the importance of church going. Millennials, those 30 and under, stand out as least likely to value church attendance. Listen to what these surveys show. Only 2 in 10 millennials, 30 and under, believe it is important to go to church. And more than one-third of millennials, 30 and under, 35% of them take an anti-church stance. They're opposed to church. The rest lie somewhere in the middle. But listen to this. In contrast, elders, those who are 68 and above, are most likely to view church attendance as very important, but only 40% of them. 24% of elders, 68 and over, deem church not important at all. Boomers and everyone else, Gen Xers, and fall in the middle somewhere in between all of this. Now, I read this, and they say, goodness, this wasn't a good Sunday to read this. <laughs> and although people cite the primary reason for attending church as growing closer to God, his research found that most people surveyed said they weren't any closer to God by going. Only 2% said going to church made them feel closer to God. I don't know about y'all, when I read that and when I listen and I look at my eyes and I look at what seems to be going on in America, it's easy for me to say, man, we're in trouble. But when I go back to the source, the Word of God, and I look at it and I see what the Word of God offers and what it really teaches about church, I see the problem is in us. If we are honest, we don't do church biblical. We do what's always worked in the past. And I want to tell you, most of you came from a generation where going to church was normal. Everybody went to church because we lived in a Christian society and that had developed a church culture. But those days are gone and they ain't coming back. But the church is still here because Jesus has not come got us. And we're still here to do what he sent us here to do. And we are no worse off than the church in Paul's day 
when he wrote that letter to Timothy, nor when he wrote this letter to Ephesians, because just like we're in a post-Christian culture where going to church is a thing of the past for the normal average American, he was in a pre-Christian church culture where going to church had never even been heard of yet. It had just come on the scene less than 50 years when he wrote these letters. They didn't have people who was grew up that their mamas and daddies and their grandfathers, they didn't have third generation Christians like some of you were and are. You know what made that church grow? God. How did he make it grow? They did it the way he told them to do it. And I want us to look at this because I'm not discouraged when I look at this. I am discouraged when I look and listen to all the church leaders and the church gossip or the church statistics. But when we look here in the word of God, remember Paul said to do it his way. I'm writing to teach you how to conduct yourself in the church that is the house of God. That it is the pillar and ground of truth. Listen to what he says right here about the church. Probably the greatest place that you'll ever find in how does God grow the church is in what we're fixing to look at. Look at what he says in verse 7 of chapter 4 in the book of Ephesians. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Guys, I'm thankful this morning that God used the worship service to remind us that God is faithful. And when he's... We're not running after him. He's still running after us. There's not a moment in your backslidden, comfortable, carnal, live like everybody else's life if you're saved that God is not running after you. To bless you with grace that we seen last week, the riches of his grace are abundant, Paul's taught. That's what he said I'm preaching. That's what I'm going to preach. And I'm going to continue to preach that the riches of Christ Grace is sufficient. And folks, we've got that gift of grace in us if we're saved. And he's given us the enablement, the ability to grow the church his way, but we don't do it his way. The church was never intended to put on a church show, to put on a religious time of gathering to get people to come to. The church was designed for us to be the church. And I want you to look at what he says right here. He says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then he tells us, therefore he says, when he, Jesus, ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Friends, when Jesus came from heaven, he descended to the earth. Look at what he says right here. Now this he ascended. What does that mean? but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. What he's saying right there is that Christ left heaven. He descended down here to us in the lower parts of the earth. He who descended, look at verse 10, also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And friends, when he left, he gave gifts to men, spiritual gifts. The Bible has three places where it speaks and teaches of Christians who are saved. At the moment of conversion, Christ gave you 
a spiritual gift, an enablement to do the work of ministry, to serve. Let me give you a definition. This comes from Warren Wiersbe. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability to serve God and other Christians. Did you hear that? A spiritual gift is a God-given ability to serve God and other Christians in such a way that Christ is glorified and believers are edified. That's a spiritual word for built up. Paul taught that Christ is the giver of these gifts. That's what he's talking about right here. Through the Holy Spirit, there are three lists of spiritual gifts given in the New Testament. They are here. I'll give you the places. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. Actually, the whole chapter. Romans 12, 3 and 8. And here where we're looking today in Ephesians chapter 4. Here Paul named not so much the gifts, but he named the men who were gifted with the enablement, the power, the ability to serve Christ and his people. And he placed them in the church. There's four of them. I want you to look at them with me here. He says right here that he gave gifts to men and he gave some to be apostles. He gave some to be prophets. He gave some to be evangelists. And he gave some to be pastors and teachers. That's one. If you notice, he didn't put some in front of that. And I believe, and most every Bible student that I look and trust believes, that pastor-student, pastor-teacher is one office that involves two ministries. The evangelist is one office. It's a gift that God gave. The prophet is a gift to the church that God gave to the church. And then the apostles was a gift. Now God only gave us a number of apostles. He's not calling apostles. The apostles were chosen personally by Jesus. And he sent them out. But I want you to understand that apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers are all primarily placed in the church for one main purpose. The word of God. The word of God. Why? That's, there's different gifts Paul teaches when you go look in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians that they're not all the same. Some are different and some are more important of others, but all are necessary. He said a foot is no less necessary than an eye. The head is no more necessary than the hand. They're all necessary. Some have differing, more important functions, but every one of them is necessary for the body of Christ to operate the way God wants it to operate. Now, we all want pastor teachers. We all want an evangelist to come around every now and then. <laughs> and we all really don't know what a prophet is anymore. But I want you to understand something. The apostles and the prophets are the foundation that is built on the cornerstone of Jesus that makes us who we are. Anything that we've allowed to become who we are that is part of our identity, our DNA, that is not based upon cornerstone, Jesus Christ, the foundation of the apostles and what God gave them to teach us primarily and give us in the New Testament word and the prophets who God gave us in place to give us the Old Testament word ain't worth dumb. And the church is filled with things we do that you cannot find in the Bible that we depend on. You know what? Back in the 50s, in the heyday, 
right after World War II, and there was a movement of God, and the church grew, and Southern Baptists in particularly metamorphosed into the big thing that we have become as a denomination. You could do church in a lot of ways, and people just came to church. But I'm here to tell you, you will never, ever survive, much less flourish and prosper if you don't get back to doing church the way God said to do church. But if you do do it God's way, hell can't stop it. Jesus said that he will build his church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. But friends, listen, today I want you to think about this. As we begin to look at this, look at what he says about the prophets and the apostles. Look at verse 19 of chapter 2. And see, some of us ain't even got Bibles. Never bring them. And you think you're going to grow. You think you're going to be mature. I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to help you. That's why we are stuck, because you've got to grow. You've got to mature in the Word of God. Hearing a sermon ain't going to do nothing but scratch you, tickle you for a moment. But it'll be gone before you get home if you don't take a word and grow in Christ. And we have many people today who this sermon is going to infuriate here. (laughs) But it's the truth. It's God's way. And I want you to see what he says right here. He tells us, in the Bible, right before our eyes, that he gave some to be pastors and teachers, some to be evangelists, but he gave some to be apostles and prophets. But look at what he says over here in verse 19. Now, therefore, you, those of us who are saved, are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. He just said in that other verse that he was writing so that he could teach us and show us how to conduct ourselves in the household of God, which is the church. Now listen to what he's saying. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Guys, the majority of Old Testament scripture, all but the law. The law was given to us through Moses. Everything else came through the prophets, the major prophets, the minor prophets. The prophets, God spoke in and through them. Some of them were preaching prophets. Thank God some of them were writing prophets. And the major prophets gave us Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel. And the minor prophets gave us everyone else. And they are the ones who spoke and prepared the foundation of Christ. Christ came He chose his 12 apostles. He taught them personally for three years. He showed them who he was. He showed them what he came to do. He taught them how to do what he wanted them to do. And then he gave them help from his spirit. And he enabled them, he empowered them as the apostles to write the scriptures. Do you know that every book in the New Testament Bible, for it to be included into the canon, the canonical, inspired, recognized word of God, that whoever wrote it had to be an apostle or a direct associate of an apostle. And so the apostles gave us John. An apostle gave us Matthew. A man who lived his life till Paul died, walking beside him, ministering with him, named Luke, gave us Luke. John Mark gave us Mark. And his apostle that he knew probably was Peter. And then they wrote the letters. And so that foundation of the word of God is given to us. Why? So that we might know how to conduct ourselves 
in the house of God. How to operate and run the church. Now, friends, listen. That truth also reveals to us what he's did for us and what he's given us. Because look at what he says in this verse. He says, and he gave some to be apostles, some prophets and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why did he give them to us? To do the work of ministry? To do church for you? That ain't what it says. He gave them to you to give you the foundation of truth, the word of God, to equip the saints. Why does he want the saints to be equipped? To do the work of ministry. And then what does he say? Look at that. And I'm just reading it. This does not happen in Baptist churches very often that I've been a part of. But he says right there, he says that he's given them these gifts, these spiritual gifts, these men with these abilities to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying, that's the building up of the body of Christ to the church. So how do they do that? What is the the way they do it? They do it by teaching, preaching, and giving you the word of God. May I tell you that a pastor's primary job is to shepherd and feed the sheep. When Jesus commissioned Peter, after finding Peter, after his denial on that lake shore, when he had cooked him breakfast and Peter was restored and reestablished, and Peter was the recognized leader of the apostles, there's no doubt. And he had broken his heart when he denied Christ, but Christ never denied him, and Jesus went and found him. And Peter seen him, he dove out the boat. His love for Jesus took over again. He ran, he said, when John said, that's the Lord, he wasn't going over there to get breakfast because he had cooked fish. He was going over there to see his Jesus. And Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. He says, yeah, Peter, I know you love me. Go and feed my lambs. Then the next time, he asked him that second time, but Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, he put his head down and he started to cry. He said, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, go and feed my sheep. Then he asked him the third time and he used the word that we don't see in the Greek for agape, unconditional. Do you love me more than anything else? Do you love me the most of anything in life? Peter said, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, follow me and go and feed my sheep. Friends, listen, the most important thing that the church does is give the saints of God a good dose of the word of God every week, systematically teaching you so that you might grow. Listen to what Peter went and went and wrote. This is unbelievable. Peter went and later wrote this. Man, I'm missing my computer. I'll be glad when I get it back. Peter said, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babies desire, get it, Jonathan, as desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. Friends, listen, when you get saved, the first thing that God's Spirit is going to make you realize, He's going to put in you a desire for the milk of God's word. And he's going to put people in your life to teach you the word, to help you. But God never intended for you to continually need someone to feed you, to give you milk. He intended for you to grow. He gave you a Bible. He gave you men that were gifted, prophets, men that were gifted by him with an enablement, 
called apostles to give you a foundation that was built on Jesus, the cornerstone of all truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They took that life that they seen, that they watched, that they lived with, that was manifested before their eyes, that John said, we touched it, we seen it, we heard it with our own ears, and now we testify to you that he is truth. And they give that to us. Then he gave you evangelist to preach so you can get saved. Then once you got saved, God's mercy and his grace gave you pastor, teachers to shepherd you, to teach you. What does the pastor do to shepherd you? He, he feeds you the good word of God. He also protects you. How does he protect you? He teaches you the truth and shows you the error. He leads you in the right way according to truth. And then he also teaches you so that he can equip you to grow up. Friends, listen. We got so many people in the church today that I want to ask a question to us that we don't get asked very often. Because, guys, the Word of God will teach you things that you should know if you're growing, if you're maturing according to what God wants. And, friends, listen. There's a worldview and there's a biblical view. And we all look at that and we say, look at there, that's what's wrong with America. The same thing that's wrong with America is what's wrong with the church in America. We have a worldview, a secular view of what church is and why it's here and how we conduct it and how we conduct ourselves compared to this book called the Bible, the instruction book. And we wonder, now it'll work when you're in a Christian culture when everyone's going to come anyway. But we're not in a Christian culture anymore. You're in a post-Christian culture and they don't want to come. Many of them don't even want us. So you can't do it the way you used to do. It's not working if you ain't figured that out. Someone said insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. I don't know if you figured it out, but if you keep doing what you've been doing for the last 20 years, for the next 20 years, you will not be here as a church. I'm telling you because I love you. I'm telling you that we have to change how we operate and how we do it, and we have to go back to close as the book as we can. And friends, listen. You say, well, I'm in the Word. I'm mature. This is God's plan I'm giving you. See, not only did he give you these four men who are spiritual gifts, he gave every one of you a spiritual gift. That as this man teaches you and he pastors you and he puts people in your life to teach you the Word of God and feed you and you mature, you grow. And you know what? As you grow, you'll figure out soon you got a gift. Let me tell you what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one of us in the church for the profit of all. Three verses down. Verse 11. But one in the same Spirit works all these things. He's been showing you all the spiritual gifts that you're supposed to have if you're saved. And then he says, but the one in the same Spirit works all of these things distributing to each one of us individually as he will. And then he says, having the gifts in Romans, and where he's talking about spiritual gifts, having these gifts differing according to the grace that has been given to us, let us use them. Now I want to ask you a question. How many of you know what your spiritual gift is? How many of you operate in your day-to-day -day Christian life equipped for ministry, equipped for ministry, just what he says you're supposed to be having happened to you. For the edifying of the body, 
walking in the giftedness that God gave every one of us, that he puts you in the church to do a specific task and gives you a specific ability to do that task. But many people say, ah, I don't know. So I want to ask this question to us this morning. How has the biblical vision for building up believers in the church shaped you into who you are in Christ today? Let me just ask you this question. How has the biblical vision, this book, for building up believers in the church shaped you into who you are in Christ today? What effect has the biblical vision of church membership had on your church experience? I mean, what does church mean to you? Because guys, let me show you what God says is supposed to happen. As the pastor teacher takes the word of God and teaches the church, he's equipping the saints. They grow, they mature to the work of, they could begin to do the work of ministry and edify the body. Look at verse 13. See, we're supposed to teach and preach the Bible to us till we all come to the unity of the faith. Till we all grow in the faith to where we all believe correctly. We all understand the truth. We're all growing to where we all are to be in unity in the faith. Not only in the faith, but in the knowledge of Jesus, the Son of God. Friends, do you know how many different things people believe about Jesus? Do you know how many things the church today believes about the unity of the faith? Let me tell you something. Denominations aren't biblical. They're not. They didn't come from this book. They came from us. I'm not saying everything denominations stand for sometimes is bad, but I'm saying that that is a division in the body. Now, friends, listen to what he says should happen to us. He says, till we come to the knowledge of the unity of the faith of the Son of God, to a perfect, that's a mature, a grown-up man, to the measure and the stature of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, that's teaching, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Guys, we shouldn't get caught up in everything that they are putting Jesus on on that television. Because there's a whole bunch of it up there that has no source from this book. It's spiritual entertainment in the name of Jesus. And most of us are going from one thing to the other. You hear one pastor saying this. You hear another pastor teaching this. You hear one of these spiritual gurus that's got Jesus over his ministry who's a millionaire telling you this. And if you look together, they're totally opposites. Somebody's wrong, my friend. In a lot of cases, they all could be wrong. But only one can be right. The one that's teaching the book. The one that's telling the truth. The one that has been gifted to do that and share that. And when he's doing that and you're receiving that, listen what happens, guys. Look at what happens. He says, but speaking the truth in love, they may grow up in all things into Jesus, who is the head. And listen what happens. This is how God expects the church to operate. A healthy church, a mature church, a church that is living under the program of God. They don't have people that just come and sit. They don't have people that don't want to just be entertained. They have people that come and want to be part of the work of God. Listen to what he says right here. This, this is unbelievable. But God says when we have been spoken to in the truth 
and in love, and we've grown up in all things into Jesus, who is the head of the church, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together. By who? Jesus, the head. By what every joint supplies. Every joint supplies something. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You see, guys, God designed it where everyone has one thing to do. And he gave you a spiritual gift so that you would have the ability to do it. And he gave you the word of God and the men of God gifts to the church to teach you, to equip you, to help you to grow up into the fullness of Christ, to be mature enough to know what he wants to use you for and how. And guess what? When everybody does their one part, everything gets done. And people don't get tired. And people don't get worn out. And people don't just go through the motions trying to survive. You wonder why preachers are leaving the church faster than they're coming in? You ever tried to keep this religious machine running when it's not operating for God or in accordance to God? And friends, I've talked to preachers all the time. Very few of them don't feel like this is how we minister to some of our church people. Very few of us feel like we are equipping everyone, that we are teaching everyone how to do the work of ministry to the point they're maturing to where they're figuring out their call, their gift, their enablement. They're matured to the point they serve and do what God saved us to do. And so what happens is they get tired of running over here. This one's got a flat. Let me blow him up. This one's squeaking and whining. i got to shut that up. Everybody won't want to come. And this one over here is just flat out broke down, ain't doing nothing. i got to go get him up. That was never a preacher's job. The preacher's job is to preach to you the Word of God. You are to receive the Word of God, to grow in grace, to take that Word. And that Word will teach you, my friend, if you listen to it, that church is about Him more than it is about us. You know what's wrong with America, church? We're just like America. Everyone says the church, I mean, they, they want to tell everybody what's wrong with America. And this is real. It's a problem. No one in America wants to work. Everybody in America feels entitled. Everyone thinks in America it ought to just be given to them. Everyone in America today seems to be spoiled. There's no work ethic in America. How many of you like that? When I preach and run down Democrats, y'all say amen. There ain't many amens here this morning, is it? But friends, you know what I found? The same problem in the culture and society of America has crept into the church. People in the church think we're entitled. If I go to church, I ought to get a blessing, and I think you should. If I go to church, God ought to give me stuff, and he does. But as God blesses you and he gifts you and he gives you and he gave you more than you could ever fathom when he gave his son. And Jesus died on a cross. But church, it ain't about him. 90% of people, the reason they don't get nothing out of church is because church ain't for him. It's for them. And when church is all about you, you end up dissatisfied, you end up unfulfilled, 
and you end up looking for the purpose of why you started coming in the first place, and eventually they quit. But you know what I found? Somehow, in my dumbness, I believed the Bible. I just decided to take it at what it said. And I got to thinking, when I first got saved, I found out there were spiritual gifts. What's my gift? And dang, God showed me. Pastor, teacher, I sure wish he wouldn't show me that sometimes. <laughs> I wish all I had to do was sing the song and sit down. When you get calls on Saturday night, like I got from Bud last night, and you got to talk to someone you love, someone you care about, and all you can tell them is you got Jesus, brother. He promises he's sufficient, he is enough. And then you go from there and you hear this, and you hear this, can you go? I'm going to tell you something, friend. Church, for you to last, has to be about more than what you come here for yourself. It's about Jesus. And friends, you know what? When you mature and you grow and you get in your right place and you see your spiritual gift, there's nothing like preaching in the power of God and serving in the power of God. But we don't see that in the church today. If you don't believe me, come to the time of year, and it's getting here, when we'll start doing, and y'all know what this is. How many of you know what a nominating committee is? One preacher told me it's the aggravating committee. Because all they do is go around aggravating people, trying to get them to do something they don't want to do so that they can fill in all their little slots. And I've heard them say it in the meetings. We'll just plug them in right here. They ain't doing nothing, but if we plug them in and put a title on them, maybe they might start. If they ain't got enough Jesus to do it now, they won't have enough Jesus to do it then. I don't care how much titles we give them. Friends, listen. When Jesus is in our heart, we'll serve Jesus. Now, I know this ain't popular, but Lord, it's the truth. But my hope is, is that we got some people here who do have some Jesus in them, who do want to know their gifts. I don't know about you, but if I was sitting here this morning and I was one of the Christians that I knew I was saved and I didn't know my spiritual gift, I wouldn't rest. I would be talking to Jesus every day. I would get me some books and I'd study about spiritual gifts. I'd get in the Bible and I'd read about spiritual gifts and I'd pray and seek which one I think I had and then I'd go try it out for Jesus. And then when you go, you'll find out real quick if that's your gift. And once you find your gift, it's going to bear fruit. It's going to bless people. It's going to bless you. And it's going to bear honor to God. That's God's plan. But now, all honesty, how many of you have ever seen this or heard this in church? Has anybody ever had someone come to you and ask you, what is your spiritual gift? Because that don't happen very often. And we wonder why we're so much having problems. See, that's how they did it then. That's why the church grew and flourished. But friends, listen, now what we used to do is not going to work. We don't even have enough people to fill committees. We don't even have enough people to fill nominating positions. I think we need to get back to teaching the Word of God. I think we need to get back to seeking out what the Word of God actually says. You know, I think we would do more to help our church this year if we made a commitment for everybody sitting in here this morning to learn their spiritual gift and to start practicing it and do what God gifted you to do. Do you know what would happen? It would change church. It would change you. It would certainly change churches. We know it. And friends, that's just one little thing that I want to show you about church done God's way. And I'm fixing to preach. This is the worst one. I promise, lick your wounds. It'll be better next week. <laughs> but guys, I'm telling you, if we don't start telling the truth in love again, the church is dying if you're honest.
Now, friends, we are blessed here. Our numbers aren't real far from COVID, but they're not what they were before we left. Do you remember when we left that area and we come out here? Do you remember the motive, how, how motivated we was and how excited we were? Everywhere I walk around our church right now, people's got their head down. We need Jesus to lead a lifter of our head again, my friend. We need to realize what we sang about this morning. We are a child of love. God's running after us to bless us, to help us. He's faithful to us, and he wants his church to grow. Instead of looking at what's wrong with everybody, we ought to start looking at what's right. They're saved, amen? If they're saved, there's hope. And if they ain't saved, they might get saved if we keep loving on them and keep preaching. I don't know about y'all, but the way church has been done so far, I ain't got a lot of faith in. But when I read my Bible and I see the way church is supposed to get done, I got a lot of hope that there's a lot of potential for the church to make a difference. This morning, we're going to have a time of invitation. Brother Jonathan's coming. We're going to vote on something that, you know, is a wonderful thing to be able to do, to extend the parking lot and blacktop it. But that will not grow our church if we're not going to grow in here. We need to grow. We need to be in a place of ministry, equipped. You know, next week I'm going to talk about the church is designed to be what? To be the testimony of Christ. We're all supposed to be sharing our faith. You know what I hear in the church every day? Anytime I ask, I wish you would teach me how to share my faith. I'm fixing to take that reason away. Friends, how could you be saved 30 years by the gospel, and the gospel is what saved you, but not know the gospel enough to tell another man how to get saved? So what saved you? It scares me to think about it. Did church save you? Did a religious experience save you? Because the gospel saves you. What is the gospel? Jesus died for us on the cross. I'm going to share it right now. Why did he die? For we were sinners and we deserved punishment. And punishment was hell and separation away from God. So Jesus came to die and take our place. And the Son of God came, the Lamb of God, sinless, perfect, pure, and died. He was buried. <laughs> but he was God and he was pure and holy and he rose on the third day and he overcame death and he overcame the grave and through him we overcome friends how hard is that to tell somebody we've all sinned we've all fallen short the wages of that sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus if I can figure it out anybody in here can figure it out if you're saved and all you do is save it because guess what you don't save them the gospel saves them. You don't do the work of the ministry. God does it through you. But we're not doing it that way. And friends, I hope that we will begin to have a hunger for that kind of living. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray. I know we got problems. We got people who need help. But Lord, we need a church filled with people who are able to help people who have a desire to help. And Lord, you told us that you have given us grace, a gift, an enablement, that when we're equipped, when we are taught, when we're matured in Christ through the Word, that we'll be servants able to do the work of ministry for you. Together, each one doing his part. Lord, I know they can go to big churches where they'll never have to do anything but come. But will that make them grow? 
Will that make them become who you want us to be? Lord, I pray that you will help us today to look into what the Word actually says and to obey it and desire it in our life. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I surrender all to Him.